I would like to invite you, if you have your Bibles this morning, to Psalm 57. But I would also like you to take a finger or a bookmark or a sleeve of some kind and place it in 1 Samuel 23. We're going to be back and forth a lot this morning uh, between the two texts. So I just wanted to give you a heads up so that way you're prepared. So you all know, when I'm up here, we're going through some texts today, boy. This is going to be good. I have found a lot of delight in this story. I've heard this story a lot in Sunday school. And so many different things have been said about this particular event to which we're going to dive into. But as you're going to see this morning, as we see coupled with the story, the psalm that was written, technically two psalms, and we'll get into that too in a little bit. Psalm that was written during, in the midst of this story brings so much more character, color, and glory together than it does completely isolated. Because we get an inside picture of what David was going through, what he felt, and what he did in the midst of the moments of the anguish that he was going through being chased by Saul. Yes, we're going to be talking about Saul chasing David. Once again, this guy is relentless. And we're going to see what he does today. But I would like to invite you to stand with the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. If you are able, as we go through Psalm 57, Psalm 57, to the choir master, according to, I'm sorry, according to do not destroy a mictum of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. Selah. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Selah. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God this morning. You all may be seated. So for the past few weeks, we have seen the man after God's own heart, David, that is, a man whose affections and desire is in pursuit of the heart of God, who experiences victory, fear, and devastation. One thing that I found a big blessing in the midst of this is after David was anointed to be king, there was still some time before he would actually become king, and there was some troubles he went through. 
So let me ask you a question. If there's ever a point in time in your life when you're walking this Christian faith thinking, why am I going through this? Know that David went through some stuff too. He was anointed king. God had promises. He had said things about David that are incredible promises to which we're able to hold on to today. But he still went through some stuff. We go through some stuff. But we're going to see the glory of the hand of the Lord in the midst of all of it. The one thing that I find fascinating about David is he never once turned to his own, his own strength. said, you know what, I've got this. Bring out Saul. He's an old man. I've been doing some Muay Thai. I'm good, bro. I've taken down bears and lions. He never got to that point. He always inquired of the Lord except in the midst of fear. And the midst of fear is whenever he became a crazy person. He lost his mind when fear captured him. But it came with a cost, did it not? We saw within the past few weeks, David amidst uh, Goliath. The Lord removing the reproach from Israel as God has removed the bear and lion from David's sheep. David was able to go into this situation knowing already that the strength of the Lord was already there to protect his own. That this uncircumcised Philistine was no match. This serpent was no match for the Lord. David had a very strong faith in the very beginning. One that he forgets time and time again. But he will be reminded of in the midst of it. Saul begins to hate David. He begins to hate David. The one who soothed the soul of the king would soon experience the hate of that soul. David would flee from Saul as Saul sought to destroy David through the ones who loved David. This man's been through some stuff. David would receive a weapon and provision from a priest who thought that he was serving King Saul only to be destroyed by that vengeful king. David, leaving a whole town, a people who were left without any weapons would be slaughtered in the wake of David's fear because of Saul. David made a decision, but he forgot about the very sword that he wore on his hip. He took the sword and was like, that's the stuff. I remember that, but fled in fear, and it cost a whole town. He had the sword on his hip, and yet he still forgot. The man who bore the sword of Goliath, a symbol of the might and power of God against all odds, would wear the blood of a people for fear of his own life from Saul. This week we'll see a man whose tune has changed in the face of further conflict and manipulation by the lions who pursue him and the people who have taken refuge with him. So in the writing of Psalm 57, we find David fleeing from Saul once again. This time it will lead him to help a town from destruction and affliction only to be betrayed by that town, which will lead him to a cave to take refuge. The language in this psalm is very intentional to the situation to which David pens the words. A sermon to the soul, while cornered, waiting his destruction, knowing that Saul will have the manpower to overtake himself as well as his men. In the moments that David is in peril, there are times when he needs to remind his own soul of the promises made by the Lord, the plans that God had for David's life. 
trusting in the process and the faithfulness of God to fulfill His Word, even when all that is happening around Him appears to be to the contrary. So here's the question this morning. Here's the question that we're going to be answering as we go through the text. When lurking lions prowl and roar, whose strength do you rely on for deliverance? Where do you turn when you hear the sounds of the affliction coming? When you feel that anxiety closing in? When trouble comes your way or a, a struggle comes your way, when it starts closing you in and you start losing your breath, not knowing how to navigate it, where do you go? When life is this close from being lost, where do you go? When it almost snatches you, when that lion feels, you could feel its breath on your face, where do you go? So that's the question we're going to be diving in and seeing what David did. So let's dive into the text this morning. Number one, my soul takes refuge. My soul takes refuge. And this comes from verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 57. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for you, in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadows of your wings I will take refuge, till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me, Selah. God will send out His steadfast love and His faithfulness. Here's something that you need to remember before we go any further. That word wings in verse 1, that word wings right there in verse 1, is kanaf. The Hebrew word kanaf. It's a very specific word that he uses because there are other words to identify wings like tzitzis, which means a corner of the prayer shawl of the Hebrews. It's a very powerful thing. It's something you hold. It's, it's tied with blue to be a reminder of the coming Savior. But there's a specific reason that David or this particular uh, text here, the word wings is kanaf because we're going to see it later. So make sure you remember that. This term is used to describe the hem or the edge of an outer garment, a corner of a garment where it is hemmed. Corner of a garment where it is hemmed. So before we can unpack each portion of this particular psalm, we need to find out what led up to the writing of this sermon for the soul. And this is where we find ourselves in 1 Samuel chapter 23. So let's go there together. 1 Samuel chapter 23, starting in verse 1. Now they told David, they being the particular people, if you recall, those who fled to David for, for rescue away from Saul and his men, they're the ones talking to This is them talking to David. Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are robbing the threshing floors. Now if you don't know what a threshing floor is, a threshing floor is a floor that harvesters would go to and they would take their harvest and they would sweep the weed along the floor to knock off the good wheat. And all of it would stay on the bottom of the floor. So that way, everything else was thrown in the fire. Now, do you get the text that Jesus is talking about? Be sifted. So, what was happening is, is these Philistines were going into the town of Keilah, fighting them and robbing them of their food. Robbing them of food. So they told David this. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord. So he hears the bad news of Keilah, and he goes immediately to the Lord on this, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines 
And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, Arise, go to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Now I find this absolutely fascinating that this is even here. Because of the reality that David himself and his men are currently in the midst of an affliction themselves. They are being pursued by Saul and his men. They desire David's life and they're planning on killing him. But in the midst of it, bad news comes to David and his men saying, Hey, there's some bad stuff. The Philistines are doing some stuff to Keilah. And David inquires of the Lord. All right, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this bad news? What do you want me to do? His trust is immediately there. Immediately there. Lord, what shall I do with this? Of course, his men right off the get-go is like, bro, we already in some stuff. How much worse are you going to make it for us if we go do this thing? So out of fear, they immediately appeal to David. But David does what? He does not even listen. He doesn't listen to the complaints of the men. He immediately goes back to the Lord and says, Hey, Lord, what is it that you're wanting to do? David inquires of the Lord. The men, though through fear, pleads with David to try to get him to change his mind. David inquires of the Lord again. So they go and save the city of Keilah from the affliction of the Philistines in spite of their fear, in spite of their affliction, in spite of their anguish. This is insane that the Lord would be like, hey, I know you're in some trouble, but I need you to go and do something for me over here. The men were like, bro, why? This is not a good idea. We need shelter ourselves. We need deliverance ourselves. Despite the fear you may have in what you are experiencing in the will of God, God has a plan in the midst of it. There's going to be moments in your life when you are going through some stuff. But that doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't have something within it. The very experiences you may be going through may be the deliverance for somebody else. They may need to hear that you're going through this same thing because they might be going through it too. And they may need somebody to come and speak to them and save them in the name of the Lord. The Lord has a plan even in the midst of your affliction that you can go and provide something so beautiful to those who are inflicted themselves who are entrapped themselves, who are enslaved themselves. Whenever we're going through some stuff, it doesn't mean we cast off all of our faith, all of that beautiful stuff about the gospel and the good news and refuge that we have in God and be like, oh, woe is me. No, put your hope in God. And take that hope that you have and give it to others who need it too. Because it may be through your affliction that your brother and sister in Christ may be built up to be able to go through what they're going through. So just because you might be going through some stuff, inquire of the Lord because He may just have a plan to, for you to engage and bring the glory to the Lord and bring people up and build them up in faith in the midst of your own affliction.
Next we see Saul sees self-fulfilling achievement in his circumstances. Saul sees a situation completely different. Completely different than David. So here we go. Verse 6. When Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David to Keilah, he had come down with an ephod in his hand. Now it was told Saul that David had come to Keilah. And Saul said, God has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to war, to go down to Keilah, to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was plotting, him, uh, plotting harm against him, and he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city on my account. So David remembers what happened last time. So now his concern is about the people of Keilah. His concern is that when Saul shows up to this city, that he's going to lay waste to everybody there. So he pleads to the Lord. Listen, verse 11. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into his hand? So now he's inquiring. All right, done some stuff. Are they going to betray me? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. They will surrender you. Then David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Keilah, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, he gave up the expedition. And David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. So what was going on here? Saul is... Seeing the situation different. David and his men have gone down to Keilah to rescue them. And Saul's like, oh, the Lord has blessed me so I can kill David. Because he's down in the city with gates and walls. Saul sees the situation completely different. David inquires of this, 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 the Philistines who are attacking the city and goes, Lord, what do I need to do in the midst of this? And he goes and saves the people because the Lord led him to go save those people. And what does Saul see? Oh, sweet. Now's my time to get David. No concern at all for anything that was going on. He didn't even show up when the Philistines were in Keilah. But he showed up when he knew that David was there. Rather than inquiring of the Lord, Saul sees an advantage as the approval of God's plan. He sees this advantage and goes, Oh, praise God that David has gone to Keilah now that I'm going to kill him. There is a problem regarding the position between sorrow and success in the Christian faith. Prosperity gospel isn't just about money, but success and fulfillment of personal goals, the desires of the heart. David and Saul saw the situation of Keilah completely different. David heard the bad news and felt that he must act with the strength of the Lord to go deliver God's people from Keilah, from the affliction of the Philistines. He inquired of the Lord. Saul didn't even inquire of the Lord and said, Oh, God has blessed me because David's in Keilah now. You're going to see the language that Saul uses 
the power that he has to manipulate, to trick people who think that they're successful to manipulate the people of Kilah into turning David over. Despair and trials constitute a lack of blessing in the lives of Christians who experience them. They think that just because you're going through some stuff, God's not blessing you. So you must not be in His plan. You've got to figure it out because God wants to prosper you. He wants you healthy, wealthy, and set ashore, successful, top of the food chain. Like Kanye West says, God's bragging. They want you at the top so that way God can brag. That's what the prosperity gospel wants for you. They're not going to bring up the afflicted and be like, look at the way the Lord is working in this particular person's life. Joni Erickson Tata would never be brought into a prosperity gospel church. If you don't know who she is, she has experienced great devastation in her life and continues to suffer on a daily basis from those afflictions. And yet her hope is in God continually. She praises the Lord and has a hope that, that her soul places hope in Him so that way she can maintain every single day. But I guarantee you they're not going to let her speak in a prosperity gospel church. Because affliction means mm, you're not really blessed. Now, let's ask the question again. Does affliction correlate lack of God's plan? Let's read verses 19 through, or 9 through 14 again. What does the Lord do in the life of David here? David knew that Saul was plotting hard against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Sorry think this is a game? No. Just kidding. Will the men of Kilah surrender me? And he says, they will surrender you. He continues on. The David and his men, who were about 600, I want you to remember that number, they were about 600, arose and departed from Kilah, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Kilah, he gave up his expedition. When things aren't easy in the prosperity gospel, they just abandon it. Oh, your faith was... Oh, it just wasn't your time yet. But I thought you said, no, no, no. God's got a different plan for you. Thanks for the clarity. So he inquires of this. And David remained in the strongholds of the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, and God did not give him into his hand. So let me ask the question. Which one is the will of God then? Is it Saul's perception of success? That he's like, oh, sweet. David's in the town, I've got him. Praise be to God. Or is it David who is sitting there saying, Lord, is this bad stuff going to happen to me? Am I going to get chased and pursued by Saul? And will these people turn their back on me? What's the Lord say? They will. And he will. So which one's the, word, which one's the will of the Lord? Is it the success of prosperity? Or is it the affliction and challenge for the sake of faith and trust? Just because you don't see blessing during a season doesn't mean you're not in God's, per, or God's plan for your life. Our sovereign Lord knows a lot more better than that. His hand is much stronger than you are and can carry you through them. 
Even the people who were saved by the Lord through David were persuaded by Saul in his pursuit of David. So can you imagine Saul going in and be like, Oh God, I'm, I'm on a mission from the Lord. And David's here. So can you guys tell me where he is? And they immediately was like, Oh yeah, the king's here, yeah. David was in town. And he fled to the wilderness as if. You're going to see that here in a moment. There is this weird struggle between the idea about power, ability uh, to manipulate. The ability of having authority and power, being able to speak into your life, to move and sway you. We're seeing this happen a lot right now. Not only within the church, but without the church, outside of the church. The people who have this presence can say things and people are like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. That's not a good idea. Hey, I think we should follow this guy. He seems to have strong character. He's got good ideas. But yeah, I mean, I know he supports abortion, but you know, everything else, the economy's good. I, I understand they posted something about pride, but man, I can't find cheaper blank. Too big to fail. We're going to talk about this month here in a moment. Power has the ability to manipulate people through using the Lord's name in vain. How many politicians have stood on Inauguration Day and used the Lord's name and made promises to you all that wrecked this country? How many people have stood before you and preached the word of God and wrecked your lives? Tilted you off from faith, not understanding, all right, what do I actually believe? They lied to me there and they manipulated. What, what's the truth then? Power has that ability to manipulate people through using the Lord's name in vain, thinking that they're a part of the faith. So David remained in the strongholds while the lion was in pursuit of him. So number two, in the midst of lions, in the midst of lions, we get this Psalm 57 verses 4 through 6. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows. Do you guys get the reference there now? The people of Keilah? Oh yeah, he's over there. Saul, go do your thing. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp sword, swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be, be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Selah. Selah. David, while in the midst of lions, pleads to the Lord that his glory be made known. And we will see how the nets prepared for David will become the snare for Saul and his folks later. So let's dive back into Psalm 23. Let's continue to see what's going on with David and Saul here. Starting in verse 15. David Saul, uh, saw that Saul, hmm, tongue twister, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. Uh, um, Josiah, if you could pop up that map really quick, we'll get back to the text. So, I wish I forgot that laser pointer. The wilderness of Ziph is right in the middle. Now, if you've read a topographical map, 
that more orange place right in the middle is a mountain, and there's dissension. You're going to see here in a moment how David goes to one side of the mountain and Saul on the other, and they chase each other around it. So that right there in the middle is right where David and Saul are at currently. So we'll get back to the text, verse 16. Verse 16. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. Strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I, will sh- I shall be next to you. Saul my father also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horesh, and Jonathan went home. Jonathan did something absolutely beautiful in this moment. Not only did he know where David was right out the get-go and haven't revealed it to his own dad, but he went to do something that we all should be doing to those who are pursued by lions, for those who are in the midst of affliction themselves. Jonathan went and strengthened the hand of the Lord to David. He strengthened and reminded David of the promises God had made. Strengthened his faith and built him up. Because the reality is this. Sometimes we need each other to be reminded of the strength of the Lord in the midst of our own struggles. Sometimes we need each other. Look around the room. Sometimes you need each other to talk to one another whenever you're going through some stuff. Sometimes you need to have lunch with your pastor. I love lunch. And lunch is on me. Sometimes we need each other to be strengthened whenever we're going through some stuff. To be reminded of the things we've been through. To be reminded of the glory of the Lord in our life. Hey, you remember how the Lord provided for you in this? Or did this thing in your life? Or did this for your kids? Oh yeah, that's right. What is this lion? He's roaring around. Who is he compared to the Lord? Be reminded of Goliath's sword sometimes. Somebody's got to come and look at you and be like, hey, that sword on your hip, he's done some wonderful works in your life. So what is this one? Sometimes we need each other. But there are two things that are quite funny about what's getting ready to happen. Hyenas and lions. Let's continue on in the text. Starting in verse 19. Then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding among us in the strongholds at Horesh, on the hill of Hekelah, or Hakila, there we go, which is south of Jeshurun? Now come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire. Oh, I've heard that phrase before. To all your heart's desire to come down, and our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand. Wait a second, wait a second, wait. Hold up. Wait, the city that David just helped deliver from the Philistines tells Saul, we know where he's at and we'll help you get him. Exactly what the Lord said he was going to, they were going to do. But do you not find that absolutely insane? That, that King Saul had enough influence to go into a city pursuing David and give David up, the one who came and rescued them from the Philistines. 
to all the heart's desire. We will surrender him into the king's hand. Continuing on. And Saul said, may you be blessed by the Lord. Are you kidding me? For you have had compassion on me. You have had compassion on me. Go, make yet more sure. Know and see the place where his foot is and who has seen him there. For it is told me that he is very cunning. See, therefore, and take note of all the lurking places where he hides. And come back to me with sure information. Can you just see? It's all like, meh, go do this thing. Hmm. Then I will go with you. And if he is in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Maum, on the Arabah to the south of Jeshimon. You know what's interesting about hyenas? Does anybody know what a hyena sounds like? They're yippee, loud, obnoxious, laughing. Any kid in here want to demonstrate what a hyena sounds like? They're obnoxious. But you know what's funny about hyenas? They love to hang around lions. Why? Because they get the blessing from the lion's work. There's a lot of laughing hyenas in this story. People of Keilah saying, Ooh, king, we see the Lord has blessed you. We'll tell you where David is, and this will be our part. May the Lord bless you in all your heart's desire. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if that's a hyena. But hyenas are swarming Saul. And what does Saul say to the hyenas? May the Lord bless you because you have had compassion on me. While the faithful are being strengthened in the Lord, the unfaithful seek to benefit of the wicked. Do you guys know what month this is? It's supposed to be just June. I'm going to talk about it regardless of Facebook or whatever. There are a lot of hyenas seeking to be blessed by a devouring lion. A lot of churches, yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of businesses, we'll make clothing for your kids. They don't care about people. They care about influence. Power, money, just like Saul. Saul in this story is the lion lurking around to fulfill his agenda. To kill David and be done with it. This lion that we're experiencing is called Pride Month. And so many businesses are jumping on board, seeking to get a taste of whatever this thing lays waste to. Our country's going to jump. Hey, might as well sell some weird-looking clothes for trans kids. Make put some money in our pocket. Just completely toss morals out. Completely toss common sense out. As long as I get a piece of whatever the lion's got. It's not just businesses like Target and Nike. It's churches too. They'll change their logo. We're inclusive. 
We won't talk about that sin stuff. Jesus is just love, and that's it. I think you forgot about the reason love exists. is because wrath is there. The reason love and redemption are made possible is because you need saving. A lot of hyenas. Yep, yep, yep. That's what Keilah was doing. We're going to get some blessing from Saul if we help him out. May you be blessed by the Lord, for you have had compassion on me in wickedness. The state of the church is being beckoned by hyenas for the lion to devour the faithful. And that's exactly what's going to keep happening. It's going to come to a point where you're going to be at work. You're going to be in town. You're going to have to make decisions that you didn't have to make. Nor should you have been pressured to make. Now you're going to have to ask yourself, am I going to be a, an American or a Christian? Am I going to be a blank or a Christian? Because they're going to devour you if this line keeps getting bigger. And it's going to require you to have some faith and trust in something stronger than you if it keeps going this way. Now the hunt is on. Let's continue in our text. The hunt is on. Verse 24, now David and his men were in the wilderness of my own in the, uh, in the Arabah to the south of Jeshmon. And Saul and his men went to seek him, and David was told, so he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of my own. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of my own. Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain, see, chasing each other. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul as Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them. A messenger came to Saul. Oh, how convenient. Saying, hurry and come for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. So Saul returned from pursuing from after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore, the place was called, check this out, the Rock of Escape. They took refuge in a place, barely making it out. The place that they called was the rock of escape. The rock of escape. Now, I want to read to you a psalm written by David that I am thoroughly convinced was written right after this situation. Right after David almost was swallowed up by Saul, just for messenger to come and be like, hey, some Philistines, we need to go get them. And so Saul was like, oh, all right. And he left. And David was delivered in that moment. Listen to the words of Psalm 18. We're going to only first read the first three verses. But I want you to go home, if you have the time, to read the rest of the Psalm 18 and see what David saw and wrote after that situation. And the subscript says this, To the choir master, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock in whom I take refuge. 
my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Where was David in this moment? He was in a stronghold. He even named it the rock of escape. Number two, or verse three, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. David was almost completely swallowed up by Saul. This close. And the Lord intervened. So David had nothing else to do but then to write what his, was going on in his soul. He knew he was doomed. He was so close and he got delivered, and he ran to the rock of escape, and he penned these words. You are my rock, my refuge, my stronghold. Deliverance has a power over the soul to realize how little power we actually have in compared to God's ability to deliver us. There are moments in your life when you can do absolutely nothing. You don't know what to do. You don't even know what to think. But somehow, you're carried through a moment. You're carried through a situation. You narrowly escape a situation. You're going to be fired. But at the last moment, they're like, you know, they changed the COVID laws. So we're not going to fire you. Sounds like some Philistine stuff to me. He preserved you in that moment. He's got the strength necessary to deliver you. The faith of David is being built up in the midst of the hunt of the lion who pursues him. Remember that fear at the beginning? What is he writing now? In all of this affliction, in all of this trial, in all of this situation, his faith is being built up to realize how strong he needs to be in the faith and trust of the Lord and not in himself. Because you could see him just running. Oh, Saul's on my tail. And he would have been destroyed. Utterly devastated. 3,000 men to 600. But the Lord turned them at the last moment. So his faith is being built up. All right, okay. Saul's pursuing me. All right, the Lord's got something going on. All right, where do I need to be? This is where we finish off the psalm. Number three, my heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. Psalm 57, verses 7 through 11. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth. David's heart is set and steadfast now. He has come to realize the true strength of his heart and the faithfulness of the Lord to his word. What is it that Jonathan told David? You will be king. And I'll be by your side. You will be delivered from Saul. He will not catch you. And Saul knows this. So where's David at now? Okay. All right. All right. I know what's going on. David's heart is steadfast. He is built up in faith 
through all the trials he's been through. So what David does next demonstrates to all of us to not take matters into our own hands, but wait and trust in the Lord, who is our deliverance and the fulfiller of all his promises in our lives. This is where we find ourselves in chapter 24. You probably have heard this story growing up, but I believe you're going to have a more full perspective of it now, starting in verse 1. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men, that's five times more than David had, out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. Now, you know what's something intriguing? I found this absolutely intriguing. How many stones did... uh, David take to defeat Goliath? How many did he use? I find that interesting. 3,600. The difference. I find it intriguing. Continuing on. And he came to the sheepfolds of the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do, uh, do to him as it seemed good to you. What's, the, what's David's men doing right now? Oh, now's your time, bro. It's time to take matters into your own hands, bro. And they used the word of the Lord to try to convince him of it. Continuing on. Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seemed good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. What happens next? And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord. The Lord's anointed. To put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. David had every moment to deliver himself of all of his troubles. All would have been just done and over with. Saul was right there. He could have listened to his men and be like, oh yeah, the, the word of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, this it's my time. He'll be done with and I don't have to deal with him anymore. He simply nicks off the wing, Kanaf, of Saul. And the Lord immediately convicted him. And he realized, I shouldn't have done that. That's the Lord's anointed. Now, does that mean that Saul wasn't a wicked man? Absolutely not. But in that moment, the Lord had not removed Saul from the throne yet. The Lord said he was going to remove Saul from the throne and replace it with David. It was not David's time to be able to take matters into his own hands to fulfill the law or the word of the Lord for himself. And you'll see why here in a moment. Be careful into taking matters into your own hands. Saul outnumbered David five to one. 
David's men were stuck in a cave, they would not have made it out alive. If David would have done what he did, take matters in his own hands and be like, sweet, this guy's over. I can be done with it all. It would have cost him the lives of those he said he was going to protect. What did he say? I will care and protect you. But if he allowed selfishness to get in there and take matters into his own hands, it would have cost the lives of every one of those men that he said he was going to protect. Also be careful, not, or be careful of the voices around you who seek to use the Lord as a measure of taking action in your own strength. There is a time and place to act on the Lord's command, as we saw that in David's inquiry of the Lord to Keilah. But there are times when the Lord will strike our hearts to ensure that we abide by faith in Him rather than destroying ourselves and taking actions to resolve our troubles. If David had girded the sword, it would have meant trouble for him and for all of his men. Now is not his time. Remember that word, kanaf, for wings? It's the same word used here for the corner of his garment. Of Saul's. So why did David write that? Now do you see what David meant when he said he would take refuge there? In that corner? Why? Because Saul was delivered from death that day because of the Lord. Saul, in his wickedness, could have easily been dealt with by David. And David said... That him and that garment means something. Saul's life was preserved because of the Lord today. And it's that sort of thing that I want to take refuge in. Even whenever I'm not at my best. Even when you're not at your best. Even when your faith is failing. When your faith is waning. And you're not living the life you're supposed to be. You're caught up in some sort of sin. Deliverance. His mercies are still new for you. Saul was wicked. He was out of place. But that was the Lord's anointed at the time. And the Lord hadn't done anything about Saul yet, so David couldn't do anything about it and shouldn't have. Now do you see why he wrote, I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings? Because that's where deliverance is from. This is what happens next. Listen, starting in verse 8. We see reconciliation over revenge. And this is where we'll end in our text in 1 Samuel. Afterward, David also arose and went out to the cave and called after Saul, My lord, the king. Wait, David, what? And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. Are you kidding me right now? Let's continue on. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks your harm. Did David say that? Did David indicate any type of vengeance towards Saul? That he was like, oh yeah, now's my time. Lord anointed me. I'm going to kill you and take that throne. Nope. He was listening to the voices of other people. Those hyenas. Verse 10. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into the hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, what? 
Do you know what word he used there? Abba. That's a term that is used by a young child to their dad. A place of seeking their father. Whether they need rescue or some care for an ouchie, they run and say, Abba. David uses that word there. See the corner of your robe in my hand? For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, and but by my hand shall not be against you. The Lord is the one who anointed David. The Lord is the one who declared to Saul that he'd be removed. So it's the Lord who's going to do the work in both of them. It's not Saul's deal. It's not David's deal. As the proverb of the ancients says, Out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog, after a flea. Saul, I'm nobody. I'm out here in the wilderness. I had to flee to a temple to even get something to eat. Who am I to you? I'm a dead dog and a flea. What are you doing? Why have you come all the way out here and brought armies for me? Verse 15. May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you, and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. What is David asking for? Mercy. Please stop. I'm not doing anything. I'm nothing to you. Why are you chasing me? Well, this is what Saul says. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I. For you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dealt well with me, and that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you for good, or with good, for what you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know that you shall surely be king. Saul knows this. And that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me. He's talking about Jonathan. And that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. David, please don't take these actions and use them as a way to make me look bad. I'm sorry, I know you're going to be king. I know the Lord's going to take it from me, but I'm not okay with it. But you have dealt righteously with me, and I've dealt with you evil. And David swore to this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Do you see what happened here? Reconciliation over revenge. When we are in the midst of affliction, in the midst of lions... It can feel like we do not know what the Lord has in store for our trials. But He does. 
Our sovereign Lord does not place His people for the sake of their destruction, but for the sanctification and participation of His redemptive plan for mankind. Who was restored that day? Twice over. Saul was. He was delivered from death out of sheer mercy of David's part. And he was restored in relationship between the two because David was bold enough to tell him, what are you doing? What are you doing, man? Saul repented. What we experience today may be the very experience that sets the hearts of men and women and children ablaze at the hearing of the gospel. You are God's anointed by the Holy Spirit, by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What can man do to you? David could have ended all his troubles on his own, but since he entrusted his soul in in the refuge and strength of the Lord, he is able to sing these words. Verses 7 through 11, Psalm 57 again. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth. That day... His heart, steadfast in faith, was able to approach a lion who sought to devour him and completely saw the glory of the Lord worked in that situation. He could have done everything himself, done it, been over with, but he didn't. He trusted in the Lord, and look what happened. Saul came to repentance for what he was doing. Just because somebody's at your throat, just because you have affliction coming from a community, a person, a friend, a neighbor, doesn't mean that you should seek their destruction. It means you could seek their redemption. Because you may be the David in that situation, and they may be the Saul. But based on how you treat them, with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control they may be able to taste and see that the Lord is good. And that Saul may turn things around, all because you chose not to take matters into your own hands. In conclusion, I want, to listen, I want us to listen to a charge by Peter. And the language that he uses as we close on how we are to deal with the situations with the lions in our lives. This comes from a chart, 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Here it is. God has a plan and glory for your life in the midst of trials and tribulations. Do you notice that whenever he says humble yourself, he follows it up the ends of the sentence and says to cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So those afflictions that you're experiencing, those hardships that you're going through right now, don't try to take matters into your own hands. Humble yourself and lay all that anxiety upon him 
and be delighted in him. And here's the reason why, continuing on. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a what? A roaring lion. Seeking someone to devour. So how do we deal with him? How do we deal with a lion? Resist him. Firm in your faith. What does David say? I am steadfast in heart. Firm in the faith. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Number two. God brings deliverance in the midst of lions through faith in him. And know this. You're not alone. You're not alone in it. There are Jonathans in your life who can strengthen your hand in the Lord in the midst of your troubles and trials. And lastly, verses 10 and 11. And after you suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, will himself, himself, restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him, be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. That brings us to number three. Trust in the Lord and behold his glory in your life as he restores you, confirms you, strengthens you, and establishes you. We saw all of that today. So I'd like to close with a psalm from the weary soul being pursued by lions. Psalm 73, verses 21 through 26. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. This means not even in your best moments. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Whose heart and flesh failed him constantly? Saul's did. David was there to provide redemption, to provide a place of forgiveness, of reconciliation. If David's heart and flesh failed him, he would have just simply killed Saul and been done with it. But he trusted instead, and look what the outcome was. My heart and my flesh may fail. You may be feeling like that this morning. That there's things in your life that you can't deal with. And so your heart is broken, cast down, and your flesh seeks to find some semblance of satisfaction in this life. I'm trying to find a way to deal with this. When my heart and my flesh fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You may not be able to hold it together, but He will. As he restores you, confirms you, and establishes you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
We are so grateful that you are a good Father, that you are our sovereign Lord who carries us through everything that you have appointed in our life. Even in the midst of the shadows, the, the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because you are with us. May our hearts be steadfast. Strengthen us in faith. Strengthen us in faith that we are built up, that we could sing the same song as David, that my heart is steadfast. And may your glory be over all the earth. Lord, may we trust you. Help us in our unbelief. Help us in those weak moments. Secure our hearts by faith that we could trust in you in the midst of our weak moments and in our afflictions. Be our rock of escape. Our rock, our refuge, our strength. We are grateful for you. That you are stronger than us. That you build us up. That we have Jonathans in our lives to help us. And all of this is because of Christ Jesus. So Lord, we ask this morning, in those moments where our heart and our flesh fail, may you be the strength of our heart and be our portion forever. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.